0: After a fairly exhaustive search of hotels and rooms in the city of Vyborg, Mr. Anderson settles for room number 12 at the Golden Lion. Next door to him is a staid taciturn lawyer in room number 14. Maybe. Number 13 was first published in James's debut collection of his tales, Ghost Stories of an Antiquary, in 1904. If we could walk with the animals... "'Talk with the animals,' sang Dr. Doolittle. "'Well, that much is a given, isn't it? "'We walk with and talk to our pets a great deal, don't we? "'We share all kinds of intimate moments and secret confessionals, "'precisely because we know they will go no further, "'and that for once a secret will remain just that. "'But, of course, Leslie Bricus's lyric goes on to wonder "'how it would be if the dumb brutes could speak to us. "'Ah, how indeed!' H. H. Munro, better known by his nom de plume Saki, gives us an example of how that might work out with his tale of Tobermory, in which a cat of that name, having had time to wander and observe the guests at an English house-party, is granted the power of speech to address the assembled company over dinner. It turns out he knows one or two things the guests might have preferred to keep to themselves— Tobermory was first published in The Chronicles of Clovis in 1911. And no less an authority than H.P. Lovecraft considered the next story on this volume to be, and I quote, rather middling, full of cheap and cumbrous touches. Ouch! And what makes that summation especially intriguing is that the author on the receiving end of Lovecraft's damning verdict was H.P. Lovecraft. And the story in question is The Call of Cthulhu, surely one of his most talismanic tales. It was written in 1926 and belongs to that great burst of creative energy that accompanied the author's return to Providence, Rhode Island, from New York. It was first published in Weird Tales in February 1928. Perhaps the editor of that magazine was minded to share H.P.'s misgivings, as he initially rejected it. Cthulhu is a touchstone Lovecraft story, because it is surely his betentacled monster from the ocean depths that people most identify with the name of H.P. Lovecraft. Monsters from beneath the waves have a long history, of course, from the biblical Leviathan to seafarers' tales of giant sea serpents wrapping entire ships in their coils, all the way up to the present day, and documentaries about giant and indeed colossal squid, occasionally emerging from the deep sea to intrigue and terrify us. There are also literary antecedents which are pointed to as influences for the story. A few of Lord Dunsany's tales feature sleeping gods, and Alfred Lord Tennyson's 1830 sonnet The Kraken, describing the mythical monster from the legends of the Norsemen, speaks of the Kraken's ancient, dreamless, uninvaded sleep. Lovecraft brilliantly applied these ideas to Cthulhu waiting and dreaming in his house at Ye, It is, of course, also from this story that the so-called Cthulhu Mythos was born, a vast shared fictional universe. Arguably, that has as much to do with August Derleth, correspondent and collaborator with and friend and publisher of Lovecraft, as it does with Lovecraft himself, who rather dismissed the idea of a structured mythology as so much yog Yog sothoth being another of the Cthulhu deities introduced in two or three stories, including the Dunwich Horror. Over the decades since the story was written, Cthulhu has spread his tentacles into every corner of popular culture. Board games, collectible card games, dice games, online games, video games and role-playing games, a host of fiction including work by writers such as Stephen King and Neil Gaiman, movies, and I personally highly recommend the adaptation made by the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, which is an object lesson in how to make up for what you lack in budget with imagination and creativity, and music, where you'll find direct or indirect references from bands including Dead Mouse, Metallica, and my old backing band, Cradle of Filth. Somewhere around the middle of January, 1842, in Philadelphia— Virginia Poe, Edgar's beloved wife, was singing and playing the piano when she began to bleed from the mouth. It was the first sign of the tuberculosis that would claim her life just five years later, in her mid-twenties. The incident threw Poe into agony.